Uh, I just believe in the process, and we're, we're going to win going through the process. Now, Bill's Mafia. It's time for the main event. So sit back and enjoy the show. Bill's Mafia, welcome to the Red, White and Buffalo Blues, UK Bill's podcast, Bill's News with the UK Twist. Robin, Mark, Matt Ready? here discussing all things Bill's. And guys, it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? Bill's wise, Bill's News wise. Stadium, overtime. Yeah. Um, and anything else? Ryan Bates, that's the one. I like I like how we're referring to the overtime as Bill's news. It's known as the Josh Allen rule, isn't it? That's, yeah, that, I think that's what that, and that's what I'm gonna be calling it. Yeah, from, quite right, as it should so, be. But then, yeah. but then again, right. then again, we should call it Robin's perfect moment. Yes. But because he, he predicted it, what predict, we, we talked about it last week, didn't we? Yeah, um, last episode. Yeah, you gave me gave me all these scenarios. I'm there thinking it's not going to happen. It's yeah. not going to happen, especially when it's have both of them do it, and then afterwards it rolls over. That's yeah. one thing I didn't expect to happen. But it, it's a it's a credit to to both the NFL's willingness to to review their rules each year, take suggestions, and also. Uh, a comment on their general conservativeness as well that they mm. they've made the change to the rules and it's one of the only sports that is that is continually revising its rules so they've made the change they recognized it i mean i'm going to keep calling it the josh allen rule but i think the momentum had begun with patrick mahomes and the the patriots game in 2018 wasn't it the the conference game i think if that hadn't have happened then i think two within the space of three or four years i think mm. made a much stronger argument to do something about the overtime rule, but they haven't, you know, it's a very minor tweak. They still haven't got rid of the coin toss, which is my main bugbear, because that leads too much to chance. Uh, you know, paper, scissors, stone, really. But if yeah. you're going to do that, then, yeah, we listen to the last episode because there's a few other things they could be doing, but uh, I'll take it. Yeah. I think ultimately, I mean, ultimately really... the NFL just wants, they want the best players and the most exciting players out on the field. Yeah. And they they recognise that, based on what happened in the Chiefs game, not letting the Bills offence, which is what made that game a classic. It was the ding-dong yeah. offensive battle and not allowing that to continue. Yeah. It was obviously brilliant, but it was it spoiled the ending somewhat, yeah. unless you're a Chiefs fan. And, and the NFL know that they that they wanted that game to continue and that's what they're allowing them to do by by making this rule and as it should be. Yeah. yeah. I mean the one thing is, it, yeah, it affected the Bills. We all see people, especially in the Bills Mafia, calling it the Josh Allen effect. The Bills didn't actually push that at the league meeting, was it? It was, was it the Titans and someone else that actually um, pushed it? Uh, well, 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 the last time that this came up, as, as Robin mentioned in 2018, we were one of three teams that didn't vote for it. Hmm. We, were, we were anti the rule. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, I, I, I think that it would have been seen as there being a narrative had we gone for it, but I'm pleased that other teams have, and I'm pleased that it's gone through. It's, you know, it's there's a lot of people that still have the just play defense better narrative, but in that type of game, in that type of situation, um, had we won the, the the coin toss, we'd have we'd have won that game, and that yeah, should, yeah. no game should end that way. I mean, yeah, 
I mean, and I would honestly, and I would honestly, hand on heart, say, had we won that on the opening possession, I would be supporting the rule change with every hmm. the same amount of um, of energy as well, yeah. because I, I, it, 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 it's as as you were saying, Mark, you want to see the best players and the best players, and you want you want to see the talent win the game, be it offensive talent or defensive talent. There's too much is given away by the toss of a coin when you only need one possession to win. As someone and described it as, um, can you imagine a World Series game that goes to an extra inning and one team comes out, scores a run, and the other team don't get to bat? That's it. You don't yes. get a chance. It would never end that way, ever. Yeah. Um, but And that's effectively what you've got in this scenario. Mm. And it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they've, they've put out, they've set out the new overtime rules. It's only for playoffs at the moment. Hopefully, they'll see how it do and maybe push into regular season. But the rules are both teams will have the opportunity to possess the ball in overtime in the postseason. If the score is tied after each team has possessed the ball, the next score wins. But this one's an interesting one. They put, if the kicking off team to start the overtime period scores a safety on mm. the receiving team's initial possession, then the team that kicked off is the winner. Yeah, because the safety is a defensive yeah. play. So in, and in the regular run of things, you would get the ball back. The defence that, that got the safety would then put their offence onto the field. So I think safety is the wild card. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that because mm. that's a defensive play. So Yeah. So, so it's almost like if, if you can almost like say with the, with the Chiefs game, that you could have almost, I'm trying to think the best way to actually put it, adapting that rule to those last 13 seconds, pretty much. So you've taken that last chief possession as the last part of the new overtime rules. The safety pretty much wins you wins you the match in that instance because there wouldn't be a, there wouldn't be time to kick off. But that's probably me just being completely and utterly. <laughs> I think yeah. we've, I think you've got 13 seconds left to just. Yeah. Just like oh, don't 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 make, don't make me go back to that yeah, again. No, God I, Almighty, there's so many I, bad. I, I was gonna I was gonna say it's not even the kickoff. It's not even the first play. It's the second one. Yeah, it's the it's, second one. The, Kelsey, it, where he gets all the yards after dropping catch, ev- dropping everyone field. deep like they did and letting him yeah. just dump the ball off 15 yards and get. Don't yeah. it, it's pay, no, I can't do that's, it. Can't that's do the it. worst one. It's the second one that put him into field goal range. That's the real. That's the real okay. killer. Yeah. Again, no. Let's talk something a bit more happy at the moment. Let's just raise that and let's go Please. happier. <laughs> Please. <laughs> the Bills new stadium. Yes. Yeah. That is, I think that's what everyone's looking for. And if you, if people haven't seen it, there is a, um, on One Bills Live, they spoke with the vice president of PSE, um, Ron Rakua, or Ra- Rachua, however you pronounce his name. Um, regarding the um, the stadium and a bit more about it and how he's looking to look at the way that the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and again that's a dirt that's a dirty word to come out of my mouth. There we go. There we go. <laughs> it's a dirty word to come out of my mouth. Um, how that stadium is, and they also wanted to incorporate parts of like the SoFi Stadium, the um, the Ele- the Allegiant. Stadium, the raid, the uh, Raiders' home, home um, stadium, and try and build that. Like so we call it, like you can almost like call it the way they're talking about, it, like a soccer style 
yeah. a football style um, stadium. And I yeah. think to me, that's the best of both worlds and fans will like it because they'll be covered. And the fact that it's all enclosed in, pitch is still free. You're still going to get the harsh winter climates come in, but the noise could rival the likes of that at, um, at Seattle and at Kansas. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it, it the, pr- the plans look amazing. I'm, I'm pleased. It's like, I was talking a lot on, on um, my other, my other podcast, the long snap pod about this and how we, you know, we've, we've formulated this style of play that would be a lot more suitable to a dome than it would be to um, playing in the elements. And I've, mm. I've kind of been like team dome for a long time. Um, I kind of like the fact that it will still be the harsh winter um, because yeah. whilst it might, whilst it's hard for us, it's sure as hell going to be harder on other teams that aren't used to it. So mm. I kind of like the fact that we've still got that, but I like the enclosed element of it. And we know that if, if there's any group of fans that can generate a hell of a noise in there, then Bill's Mafia certainly can. Yeah. Um, I also like the way that it's being funded. Um, not so much that it's, um, you know, having to, you know, it, it's always a little bit weird when you have to go and get public money to put in a, uh, to put in a, a public stadium. But I quite like the fact that it, because of taxes, Jets and Giants fans are going to be paying for yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that's the best thing that's come out. Of that. I'm all good about that. They want. They want to be Claude. They want to be called New York. They're paying yeah. for the only New York team's stadium. <laughs> Love it. It's so good. <laughs> you don't want to be New York Giants or New York Jets. You call yourself New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. But no, I think I think it's really good. I mean, we're going to do me and um, we got an interview with uh, Anthony Mourinho of Buffalo Rumblings coming up in um, in a short while. Obviously, we'll ask him that question, but. It's it's just so exciting to see the groundwork. They're supposed to lay the groundwork to start in 2023, to finish in 2026, hopefully. And I believe it's just over the road from the old from the current stadium. So yeah. not really that much far for people to travel. Hopefully, still have the same atmosphere. But it's just really exciting time, and the fact that it was backed unanimous by the league as well is is even better. Yeah. It's kept it's kept the Bills in Buffalo, in Western New York, in Orchard Park, for the next thirty years. So, mm-hmm. if you know our our children or or the children our children's generation, and perhaps even their children, for an absolute cast iron certainty, are going to be watching the Bills in Buffalo. You know, we're all all the doubts, all the John Bon Jovi buying the team, all Donald <laughs> oh, Trump God. buying the team. Moving to Toronto, moving to London, moving to LA. It's not going to happen now. We're going to be very, very old men when that lease comes up. And that's another 30 years is another 30 years established in that area. And you never know, with a couple of Super Bowl wins as well, when it move. What better thing can you say? Oh, I know. Jets and Giants fans are paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I just I just made it better. I just made you it. Better. You did. You did. The one thing, the one thing I'm, I find interesting. I was reading a couple of tweets on it. Obviously, on the Ralph, they have the ring of the Wall of Honor, the Ring of Honor, Wall of Honor, yes. whatever you want to call it. With this new one, obviously, do they bring it on? But do they exclude certain people from it? A certain 
a certain, a certain, a certain running, running a certain back. Running back, certain running back with some uh, issues in his personal life. You mean? Yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering if that's if do you think they'll still keep that on, or do you think they'll like move it to like a different location, a different way to do it? Because that was also something that really made it unique a little bit. The fact that you actually could see them honour these guys. I mean, unlike in football, where stands get named after players, like former players. For for me, it's part of our history. I'd I'd like to see it in any new stadium. If it's in the old in the old one, I'd like to see it where it in in the new. Um, I'm torn on OJ. Um, because I don't know. Look, he was he was an incredible running back for us before my time, but incredible, incredible player for us. But great actor, and naked gun. Yeah, absolutely, but oh, clearly mor- yeah. morally less than less than perfect. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's the it's the Margaret Court Arena question, isn't it? Margaret Court's got her name on uh, the tennis stadium in Melbourne uh, because she won twenty four Grand Slams, and no one's going to take that away from her, despite she's a generally horrible, horrid. <laughs> terrible person uh but you know and they're fighting to have her name taken off it i'm slightly more on the side of those people who can separate the art from the artist it's Mm. not that oj was punished for something he did on the football field i think that that would be different i think had he brought the game into disrepute somehow i think that makes it easier you know for all that can be said about him there these are things that happened after he had retired and i think you, you have to honor the history he's on he'll be on there because of his running back records mm. um is, is is how i feel about it so what what do you guys now feel about ryan bates they've brought they've matched chicago's um chicago's uh what's it call it's it a good segue that was a beautiful segue that was, I love that that. Was, that was so, good. so speaking of oj simpson ryan bates <laughs> Well, he's a bit. It's a bit. Con, it's a bit controversial, isn't career. it? Could have a movie career, couldn't he? He, he could. He could. You never know what. Never know what happen when people retire. No, exactly. I mean, who knows who anyone is? Come on. Yes. <laughs> what car does he drive? Is it white? Yeah. <laughs> well, we got. Well, no. Unfortunately, we got rid of a uh, wild goose, haven't we? Oh yeah. So we don't know what his future will now hold. If he's got if he's got a white bronco, need <laughs> people on a wild goose chase. Wish he was here for that to say that. But yeah. anyhow. But no, Ryan Bates. He matched the um the Bears offer. Yeah. Good, bad. What do what do we guys think? It's um it's what two two years really in debt, eight point something million. Good value, bad value, and also we remember we signed Ike Botka to an extra year, to a year's vet minimum as well, just beforehand. Well, they tendered him at about two million or so, didn't they? Two, two and a bit, yeah. didn't they? That always felt a little low to me for what he'd been able to do, for how he'd solidified, you know, in the second half of last season. It seemed to me, and uh, I've been getting some education done on the guards, and I made the comment. Um, a while back about the, the guards aren't quite as, you know, they're not, not quite as highly rated as the centres or the tackles. So six or seven seemed high. I think four is a decent compromise. Yeah. But it's about four, four a piece, isn't it, for two years when, when, when you get into the nitty gritty. I think it's I think it's decent value and I think it's adding depth into probably 
what is one of our more fragile positions, especially in the lines now. Um, I think you've got Roger Roger Saffold that cemented himself either at left guard or right guard. Mm. Um, the other guard position is a problem with Ike Butker and, and Ryan Bates probably battling it out now to start. Um, you kind of you kind of think that Bates will have have a leg up on there, not because Butker's injured, but the fact that when he came in those last remaining games, that offensive line really got a lot better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. With him I, absolutely, in there. I absolutely agree. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably slated that if if you were to if we if we were starting a game tomorrow, it'd probably be Bates starting left guard, um, and mm. I'm I, I'd be fine with that. I still think it probably represents a, a position of need, um, and you know something we might chat about later if something that we maybe look to still address in the draft. But from a from a depth, um, I think it's a good move certainly. Yeah, Rob. Robin, anything, anything else? Well, the only the only thing that gives me pause is that Saffold's more likely one would think to be left guard. So Bates, is, Bates and Berger are coming back, but if Bates is, it, it it feels like they love their competition, they love their metal sharpens metal talk in the locker room and at the press conferences, don't they? Of open competition, it seems to me like they're gonna they'll have. Spring and summer, obviously, depending on Butker's condition and how, how he's reacting, that it's them too, and the winner gets the right guard job. It might also, as things Mark was hinted, it, if they're looking for a dedicated right guard, then it may be that Bates and Butker are more depth at right guard and also backup left guard as well. Because um, that's the only thing that would just give me pause is that you've almost got three left guards there almost haven't you and it's you you want a you want a dedicated right guard don't you and so um, long as that so long as that person isn't cody ford then then we should be okay <laughs> yeah. oh you blew it right there i was going to say there was always cody ford to come along yeah yeah it's not... you, you mean you mean the revolving door yeah revolving door, yeah uh, yeah never, oh, never, quite worked, never quite worked never quite it? Greg Manx, who we signed, but then he's more of a centre, and um, Jacob Capra. Yes. So it is all based on hopefully Botker um, being fit and actually able to go. More likely, they'll try and keep Bates for as long as possible. But then, as you say, does this it becomes still becomes a need in the draft? Do you see with the free agency signings that we've done a change in the draft strategy? You see, because, I mean, people will think that they might in the first three rounds potentially go for a guard in there. Or are they going to be now all these positions, bar pretty much cornerback, have been filled or added depth in free agency that they go best player or they go, they know they're going all out and setting their stone in for, like I say, a cornerback at 25. See, I, I I think for me it comes down to who's available. Um, if if we're not interested in trading up because they've mm. got someone that they want, um, it comes down to who's available still at twenty five. And there's a couple of guys on the interior line. Like if a Zion Johnson is still available, um, it, it's hard to pass to pass him up because after someone like him and and Kenyon Green. The, the drop off in talent is is quite significant. You ain't going to get someone in and day two, day three. I think that is likely to be a starting guard. Yeah. There's a chance 
that you could get a starting corner later on. There's more depth of talent at corner than than there is than there is interior offensive line in this year's draft. Having said that, I still think they'll go cornerback in in round one because it's more of a position of need for me right now than than the offensive line. But if those players are there still, it and depending on who's gone already as a corner, um, yeah. if the two if the two guys that they desperately want go in the first twenty and and Zion Johnson's still there, then you take him and, hmm. and you, you you gamble on corner in the further days. But we will we will see. Yeah, they probably I, draft a wide receiver now, so who knows? <laughs> or running back. Oh you God Almighty, no! Please don't draft a running. <laughs> you never, you never know. But no, I mean, I mean, looking at it, I think we could probably see that we may double down, maybe on a couple of positions, whether it be a first round pick and say a fifth, sixth round pick, or something like that, or maybe if it's a specific position, maybe round two or three, and all that. Where do you see the strategy and whereabouts do you see them moving up? I've I've still got a sneaky suspicion that they're going to try and move up in round one. They've like as we, we've spoken about on previous shows, they don't need how I many I mean, they've got what like six, seven picks this draft? I think it's nine. Yeah, about eight, yeah. seven or eight. So now. with the with the compensatory picks, there's about eight or nine now, isn't there? I they don't need that many players. We don't have yeah. that many holes in our squad. There's if, if I, I just have this weird sneaky suspicion that we've got our eyes on a specific corner that we think will be gone by 25. And if you look at teams like Baltimore at 14, who always trade back in the first round, always, always, always. And you just wonder if like a cheeky, a cheeky offer of swapping first round picks and then a couple of those late round picks that we don't need necessarily because we're not going to be able to take on all the players that we can draft if we if we draft fill every position that might just be if, if it's enough to go up and get like a I don't know someone like a Trent McDuffie or someone like that or a Derek Derek Stingley if they're available I just I think that they pull the I think they pull the pin on it and go for it yeah I mean I'm just running down the um the mock draft um on the draft network just to see when you mentioned potentially trading up with the Ravens to see what we could actually, um, what we would have to give up. So if I put our 21st for their, well, our 25th for their first, what do you think? Do you think giving up of like a fifth, fifth, I think, sixth? I think you're potentially looking at maybe having to give up, I don't know, a fourth and a fifth, a fifth and a sixth, something like that. Um, I maybe- think. I'm guessing I think it'd be more like a third to go to go up to 14 with Baltimore from 25 to 14. I think you'd be a third and a fourth. Potentially. Bear in mind, you're giving you're, and you're only all you're doing is swapping nine, nine or 11 picks, right? Because you give yeah. them, you give them your first. Yeah. I, I think there'll be two other picks involved or potentially one other pick and then one pick in a future draft. Maybe um, you might not be, you you know, it could easily be a third and a fourth though. And to be, I'd be fine with that. I'd yeah, be, yeah. I'd be yeah. absolutely fine with that. It's, if we can get our first two round picks, one of them to address corner, one to address potentially wide receiver. Yeah. I'd be delighted. I mm. almost don't I almost don't care who else we draft after that. Yeah. I think I'm late looking... round I think a late round guard makes sense, like project guard, get get yeah. Bates and Book to fight it out for a couple of years. Yeah. And get another guard to come in for their year three. So you don't need to start a ready guard, but someone yeah. who can come in. 
yeah uh learn on the job for a, for a couple of years yeah. so right so what i've done obviously yeah. i've I've run the. I've not run it. I've actually gone up to the fourteenth pick at the moment just to, just to see a hypothetical. And I don't know what. I don't know how the algorithm of the um, draft network and all that goes. It's likely that the Ravens would accept, and this is going by say the draft network, our first, our fourth, our fifth, and the next year's fifth. The offer oh, acceptance is snap, likely. Snap their hand off. Snap their yeah. hand off at that. Yeah, four, five, and they accepted. Then they five. accepted the offer on there. So, again, obviously, people have different um, draft charts. People use different ways. So that hypothetically could be a trade, and that gets us up to fourteen. And at that point, at I think there's point, a lot of players in there. I think there's a lot of corners in the mix at fourteen that aren't there at, at twenty-five. Um, I think by then, like consensus, I think is that Source Garden is going to go top five. Yeah, um, which makes sense. I, I, that doesn't surprise me. After that, it's there's. I think the the, the order with pe- which people view the corners varies quite a lot. Mm. Um, I I would love someone like Derek Stingley Jr. to be around. Kyrie Lamb, I think, yeah, would be would be excellent. The way that he plays would suit us. Um, Trent McDuffie would be someone else I think that would be really good. There's players I think that don't suit us as well. Like Andrew Booth is great, but I don't think he suits our our style quite as much. Um, yeah. But it's you're far more likely to get one of those guys that you want at 14. Well, I did make that trade. And beforehand, pick 13 to Texans went Trent McDuffie. Pick 12 to Vikings, they chose Andrew Booth Jr. Um oh. 10, pick 10 to Jets, they took Gardner. And 9, um, Seattle, they took Stingley Jr. Fine, so <laughs> oh, they've all still uh, gone. Four, four, four <laughs> cornerbacks in a row from 9 to 12. Well, with Jameson Williams um, in between at um, pick 11. Wow. Oh, OK. Well, fine, we'll have, <laughs> we'll have career Kyrie Lamb, because I, I actually suspect from the research and the, the tape that I've been looking at, I just wonder if he might be the most suited corner in this entire draft for us. Yes, yes, I'm. I'm so aboard with that. So I, yeah, if um, if if Kyra Lamb is available at fourteen, and that's someone that we can trade up to get, I'd be delighted with that. Yeah, right. What I'm going to do, I'm going to reset the mock draft, and I'm going to quickly run through two pick twenty five. See who's available, and I'll get you to make a. Um, we'll see if we can try to a consensus on who to pick. And again, I've rerun it, and again, the same teams have got the same cornerbacks. Buggers. <laughs> right, forget the Ravens. Then we need to trade up to six. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have we got? Trade down offer? No, I'm not trading down. Well, I could trade down, but that's for another show. Um, I can't see us doing that, to be honest. No. So let's have a look. Oh, Elam's gone. He went 21 to the Patriots. So Gardner's gone. Stingley's gone. McDuffie's gone. Has McCreary gone? Um, McCreary's not. No, McCreary is, according to them, borderline third rounder. Oh, really? really? That surprised me. There's a list I've seen have him as the third highest rated corner in the in the draft. Yeah, I've draft. got him at about, yeah, 4-4. Four, four. I've got him at about fourth. 
behind Draft the Network have him so. as pick as their ranking 58th ranked prospect. Oh, interesting. What about uh, oh. Kyler Gordon? Is he is he has he gone? Kyler Gordon, he hasn't gone. He is there 45th. Oh, okay. So that's maybe a second round reach then, at least according to the I'll tell you I'll tell you who's available with our pick at twenty-five. Um you've got Kenyon Green, you got Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah, um Chris Olave of Ohio State, Daxon Hill, Michigan, Chalon Burks, Arkansas, Lewis Sign, Georgia. Boy Maffey, Minnesota, Ajabo, Michigan, and then the Kobe Dean. I can't see us going Ajabo. Um, injury and because we've taken so many edge rushes, I can't see us going with him. Can I assume Zion Johnson's gone? Zion got Johnson's gone. He went uh, where did he go? Let's scroll back quickly. He went sixteen to the Eagles. Okay. Um I still think we go corner. If Roger McCreary is there, I think I would take him. So you jump up, even oh yeah, but obviously this is draft network, so their board is a lot different. So you wouldn't you wouldn't take a Kenyon Green, or even get that um, one of the top wide receiver prospects in say Olave or anything like that. You would Not definitely go directly. What, what what wide receivers do we have left? Because that would that would be. If if the draft network are, are vaguely on the money, and you'd really hope so, given draft is kind of in their name, um, <laughs> you, you, if they if they're about right with cornerbacks, maybe one of those can can wait till the second round, and maybe we'll see what what receiver we have. I, so for me, I, it, I the the one that I like the look of is I found out in in my research for this that because I, I, I read sometimes is that um, we were actually second last in the entire NFL at yards after the catch per reception last yes. season really really poor in that regard now one of the best talents in this draft at generating yards after the catch is a wide receiver called Skymore. Yeah. and there's a lot of chat that he is someone that could be sat there available in the second round that we might be interested in in trying to pick up and we've obviously picked up jameson crowder but Skymore allows us to get younger at, at wide receiver um and so that could be someone that I potentially be looking at, seeing what what wide receiver talent is still available. Do we think we can get him in round two? And if we can, then um, then I would stick with corner. Although, did you mention that Kenyon Green's still there? Kenyon Green, yes. Ooh. See, that throws a spanner in the works. He's probably my number two listed interior offensive lineman. Um, yeah. So uh, is our... Sorry, just on yards after catch mark. So is our... Uh, are 31 of 32 on yards after catch a problem with receivers and not perhaps with play calls or, so, oh yeah, I dare think, I say, quarterback throwing into in, in, in a certain manner? Definitely it, it's some. because of the receiver. Not necessarily. I think definitely some of that will be down to scheme. Um, but I, it's, it, it was an issue, I think, and it was noticeably so right. that we didn't have, we were losing the, our, our main yards after the catch, not last season, but the season before was Cole Beasley. And with his drop off in production, certainly in that area, it was it was an area of note that we didn't have from our from our starting guys as much last season. Um, yeah. We just didn't seem to, I don't know, for whatever reason, they were just 
very quick to get tackled <laughs> a lot of the time. You know, we we still generated a lot of yards because Josh was throwing the ball far, um, but they weren't generating a huge amount of yards after the catch themselves. Mm. Um, someone like Sky Moore, I think, would would make a big difference. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got my pick. Obviously, it's Alec Pierce. That could be gained in third round. I mean, even George Pickens out of Georgia. Yeah, he's had the ACL on He's there. a hell of a talent. Yeah. He, he what, averaged 25.5 yards um, per game, or wait, recep- yards per reception, however you want to spin that, on there. And I'm just reading what um, Dean put on his um on his update board saying that yes he's tore his acl but he he's like an eric molds aj green type combo nice. he's that, got that pace he's got that'll do height. me yeah and i think he'll be one of those one of those picks he could be a pick in the second round the thing that injury does put him down but it, it shows how this roster's been built since Bean and McDermott have come in and what they've done this off season can show that we can go in really any any different way, shape, form possible, which yeah. is which is good news, especially when you've got contracts to be handed out next year. And obviously the situation with Ed Oliver, with him, we've access I think activated his fifth year. Edmonds, we're gonna have to pay him potentially. And obviously, you've got Hyde and Poyer Diggs. being <laughs> yeah. coming through. I mean, like Diggs, Diggs is probably something that we need to talk about on another show. But uh, yeah, his 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 social media activity is starting to go very Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> well, well, hopefully, hopefully, it's just him having fun. <laughs> I hope just, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think everyone's praying. I think Josh Allen's praying that as well, especially on that. Uh, when Trayvon Diggs actually put, I want to see Diggs play again, play with Diggs. Someone said the Cowboys, Josh Allen said, hell no. <laughs> should be the other way around, but hey, what we've got now coming up, uh, me and Robin did interview Anthony Mourinho of um, Buffalo Rumblings, so that is coming up in a few seconds time. And on the Red, White and Buffalo Blues, we are joined by my favourite guy I like to talk to on Twitter, Anthony Mourinho. Anthony, thank you very much for coming back. It's been a while, but I'm glad to have you back on the uh, show. How are you doing, my man? It is great to be back with you guys, too. I realise it's been almost two years, I think, since we we chatted, which is crazy when you think of everything that's gone on over that period of time. But uh, it's always fun to catch up with you guys and talk Buffalo Bills. Yes, yes. Um, so the first thing, um, obviously, this has gone out at the same time as our um, as our normal show. Um, we're talking about the new, obviously, stadium. They've got a 30-year um, lease and hopefully has start groundbreaking the new stadium. I mean, from obviously being a Buffalo, in and around Buffalo, what's the sense of excitement? Obviously, a bit more information about about him. Obviously, it's going to be like 62,000. Just want to grab your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting day, too, because I think, right, there's been little tidbits in the news even over the last couple of months. So I don't think it really came as too much of a surprise to folks today. And I'll be honest, I've been traveling most of the day, right, as the, the news would start to come out and hearing different tidbits. Um, in many ways, I don't think people have fully grasped because they're, they were expecting it. 
just how monumental this is for the Buffalo Bills, right? You think mm. 30 years, you think of our time of being fans, myself growing up in the Rochester area and always that piece kind of looming over the team and saying like, well, you know, will they relocate it at some point? Will they go to Los Angeles? What will happen here? I mean, you know, and this is long before the Pagulas. And to think like, you know, a new stadium is being built, talking about 30 years, right? I mean, heck, I'm 47 years old. I mean, for the, you know, for the, I, the, the foreseeable future, like it's, it's not something that relocation is going to be a conversation. And I think yeah. to the, the current ownership, for the fans. I mean, obviously the fact that the team is playing well, I think makes this monumental. So even though it was expected, I think Sal Capaccio used the term and really said, this is a historic moment for mm -hmm. the Buffalo bills. And I don't think it's really sunk in for fans yet. Of course, you know, you, you come into the agreement and, you know, the construction, right. We're talking about another four years until it's probably ready to go. Um, but just looking forward to that, once I think fans start to see renderings and get a sense of what it's really going to look like, it's really going to be exciting. And, uh, you know, I, I'm certainly excited to, to hear that news. Yeah, I think I think what what's in, I mean, I've looked at the guys that actually have um, been given the the contract um, for it and seen what they've done um, It's populous and obviously what they've done over here with the Tottenham Hotspur and that's a dirty word coming out of my mouth um <laughs> stadium let it go let it go um, it's, a, it's a nice stadium come on it's a nice stadium but it's the wrong 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 team um and obviously what they've done like at um in Dublin with the um the Aviva stadium it just kind of me thinks that maybe they are going to try and go for like in obviously enclosed for the stands but does that to you and does that actually really give it take away the experience of a bills game in december and january when the stands aren't uncovered you know i think so much of this and listen i was at the week 18 game um with my 11 year old daughter her first bills game and it was about four degrees and wind and in the second quarter she turned to me and said like i can't feel my feet so basically we were taking the hand warmers and shoving them into her boots so you know as you go through that and you think to yourself i do think at least from the speculation that's out there right again without any real renderings it yeah. does seem like this could be a best of both worlds right it can give some of that coverage from the elements for the fans to really keep them from you know, it's not so much the snow, but right, it's the it's the rain and it's the wind. So to give a little bit of coverage there, you know, it's not that you're playing in a dome, but still gives the Bills that, you know, enough of that feel for a home field advantage when teams like the Miami Dolphins are coming to play in Buffalo in late December each year. So it's, uh, you know, with that, I, I think it's a, a pretty good compromise. I was uh, kind of outspoken, at least when I looked at things, I was always kind of in favor of, of having a dome. And not really for, you know, two specific reasons. I'm, I'm not a season ticket holder. So, you know, there's others certainly more uh, vested in this than than I am. But just looked at it and said, you know, hey, I, I think this can really work. And what they're coming to right now, again, it's it's a bit of bust of both worlds. Yeah. They never see. The, the, I mean, there was a there was a whole thing on social media, wasn't there, about dome and no dome. And come on, you want Josh Allen to be, you know. 
And I mean, I, I went to uh, New Orleans to the to the Superdome to see the Bills game uh, over Thanksgiving. And uh, I, I, I came away from it a, a very much a pro dome uh, person. And I'd recommend it to anyone. I thought I thought the Superdome was one of the most beautiful stadiums I've ever been in in my life. I thought it was incredible. But it seems to have been in place. Orchard Park, not downtown, covered stadium, no dome. That seems to have been locked in for, for quite some time now. Yeah, and really, you know, Tim Graham from The Athletic has been on top of this for some time. And, you know, again, Tim is Tim is pretty direct with his comments, which is why I think so many fans love him. And, and he really just was like, listen, it's, you know, it's open air and it's an orchard park. Like, so people coming at him and like, why this or why that? I mean, Tim was just, was direct. And I say it in a good way because it's just like, you know, listen, and, and as I've been to New Orleans, not for a, not for a football game, but for the uh, NCAA final four tournament, you know, you visit some of those, those areas and you look at it. And, you know, I tend to think with this, just the fact that it will be brand new open air or mm-hmm. dome or whatever it is. Hopefully it will have all the amenities. I think that for any of us as fans, as we visited other markets, uh, you know, we'll finally get to call our own for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a good thing for the, obviously for us to look forward to. And I think for a fair few of us in the UK, uh, one last chance, or at least we've got four years till we know that, we're getting the new stadium for us to actually uh, make a pilgrim o- pilgrim over to the uh, to the old stadium before it decides to, before it gets uh, demolished itself. It'll be one of those good send offs, and you know we've seen it sometimes. And, and I don't know if you, you see it in your parts, but like you know when they would uh, they took down the old Yankee Stadium, you know they were like selling the seats to to fans and different pieces of the stadium and all this. So you know, could be uh, interesting for the memorabilia hunters out there to get, you know, some of the old seats from, from the old Ralph and, and, and yeah. be able to, you know, put those in your, in your home or your man cave or whatever it may be. But obviously we got a few years before we get to that, to that yeah. point. That definitely happened with team. I support West Ham when we moved from our, our uh, spiritual home and they pretty much dropped it, blew it all down, build flats on there. But, I've still got a piece of grass from when I played there and people were selling seats and the gates out the front and all that. So it definitely is going to be, as you say, going to be really great for someone to actually pick up, um, pick up some memorabilia for it and say, I've got a piece of the row. That's right, <laughs> to say the least. So let's, let's go on. We, we've got the draft coming up. We've had free agency. We've, made a massive splash on there and just recently we've re-signed um ryan Bates we've matched what chicago actually gave him which was a four-year contract um i think it was guaranteed what's eight eight million a year or something yeah, like first that two years wasn't it i think wasn't it first two years was guaranteed wasn't it, it looks like and obviously ike bock back on a one-year deal what what do you make of that? I mean, on Anthony, I mean, on on the last show, I did say that if we signed Bocca, which came before Bates, then I thought we would let Ryan Bates walk um, and focus on the draft. But does that, in your view, shift anything? Well, it's interesting because I thought for sure Bates was gone, right, and hadn't seen the contract specifics yet. I even did a quick podcast this weekend 
just saying like, should the Bills consider bringing Daryl Williams back, right? Yeah. There hasn't been much news on him in any way, shape or form. Maybe he's sniffed around. You know, if the Bills lose Bates, you bring Williams back and he can be right back as your starting right guard. Uh, and then the alert came across that Ike Botker was re-signed. I'm like, oh, well, shoot, like Bates is definitely gone, right? You're just yeah. <laughs> sort of putting two and two together. You know, you you lose this guy, you're not going to match. Let's bring back someone with starting experience. Mm. And then shortly thereafter, you get the news uh, that Bates is coming back. And, you know, it's a little bit of a gamble that the Bills took. And I guess you could say they lost, right? If they went with a second round tender, it would have yeah. been a $4 million uh, guaranteed uh, one-year contract for Bates. I mean, is is Robin, as you said, right? I think it was $8.8 million guaranteed over the first two years. So, you know, probably a little more than they wanted to spend, but they could look at it and say, listen, go out, see if you can do something better. And then they make a decision. I mean, whether you're doing $4 million a year or, or roughly 4.4, you know, that's certainly negligible. And, you know, I expect him to come in and be the starting guard. And, you know, now you can look and say, all right, Deion Dawkins, Roger Saffold, Mitch Morris, Ryan Bates, and Spencer Brown, you probably got your starting five in place. Yeah. Plenty of experience playing together, you know, Saffold really being the one new guy. So, you know, the line looks solid. You're going to need some more depth for right now, but it's still, you know, the end of March. Mm. That's what, and that's what I kind of, what I like. And I mean, what Brandon Bean has been doing this offseason, obviously signing the key guys of their own guys um, and then just getting these splash, well, splash players like Crowder, get signing him to a one-year deal. Obviously, Ron Miller somehow getting him in there. I still don't know how he managed to work the uh, work numbers out altogether <laughs> in there. But... Just getting these these guys in, and obviously the talk is obviously of the Dolphins making a bit of a splash on there. Obviously everything's going on in the AFC um, West on there, but what Bean does just really has to really get you pumped up really for this for this upcoming season, and knowing that that window a is kind of expanding, but also you could say is kind of closing as well with the amount of undrafted or the amount of free agents we're going to have next year or decisions we're going to have next year with like with the likes of Singletary, Edmonds, and obviously close to Hyde and Poyer going. Yeah, I mean, he is certainly being aggressive. And, uh, you know, our buddy Greg Thompson from Cover One is really that cap yeah. guru when it comes to looking at the numbers and being able to figure out how things can work. And uh, even heard him on WGR earlier today talking about it. You know, there's still moves that the team can make with restructures mm -hmm. to to really add additional pieces if they need to, right? Or even looking to the future when it comes to a, a new contract for Stefan Diggs or, you know, the potential to re-sign someone like Dawson Knox. So, um, it, and it's just so funny. I mean, right, guys, you listen to the same shows that I do or read the same types of articles you know, to hear people talk about Brandon B as this like architect of a great franchise, it's just, yeah. oh my God, how different is this than from what, you know, we've grown up a, a part of over these, you know, these past 20 years kind of leading up to, to this point. So, um, you know, he's certainly banking on the new TV contracts and things going up in the future years. And you know, yeah, there's going to be a day they have to make some difficult decisions, right, with guys like Micah Hyde and 
Jordan Poyer and, you know, like these vets, I mean, they certainly can't play forever, but for right now, um, you know, he's kind of lining things up to saying like, again, that window is right now. And as long as Josh Allen's playing at quarterback, you're going to have a shot. But I, you know, you mentioned the Von Miller signing before. I still can't believe that that happened. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's still whatever, uh, you know, a week and a half later and you're just thinking to yourself, uh, just uh, a little bit surreal, but here we are. Pinch yourself. Pinch yourself yeah. every single day. We've got him. We've got him. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, exactly. I don't. I don't want to be the 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 you know the raining on the barbecue guy, but I'm I'm going to mention it anyway. On the last episode, we were talking about, and I almost said it as a joke, and a few people have said it about the salary cap being a myth. You know that there's there's always there's always shenanigans. There's always ways ways around it. I I mean I'm not complaining because Brandon Bean's absolutely taking advantage of it, but it almost seems like it almost seems like a manipulation somehow, and I know, and it's an it, it's a legal manipulation. Everyone everyone's doing it, but there was on a on our UK uh, Sky Sports, which broadcasts NFL. One of the people on there was like saying, "Well, as a possible as a possible change, why why don't they just fully guarantee everything? You know, why why you know if someone signs if someone signs a contract, that's what you should be able to be signing it for." And I'm just just wondering if you have any thoughts. I mean, obviously it's benefiting us at the moment, but it's your salary cap was brought in to kind of control spending and it doesn't seem to be actually achieving that goal. Mm. It's just another thing to play with. It's so interesting to say that too, because you look at these things and you, you know, you think to yourself like, you know, yeah, why wouldn't you just guarantee the contracts, right? Like what, what comes about and Mm. uh, right. That it just seems like it is never going to, to happen. And it's why I'm always, I think pro player when it comes to negotiations, because it's funny, right? Yeah. You'll hear some things like fans will be like, Oh, if he wants more money, you know, if he doesn't want to be here. He should just leave. And it's like, well, listen, man, these teams, you know, they sign guys to contracts. We talk about Daryl Williams, or you look at a John Feliciano. Yeah. They signed three year contracts a, a year ago. And, you know, now they're out after, after one season. So you look at those pieces and it's just, it is interesting because it does feel like so much of it is a game to get out and be able to say like, Hey, it's a six year, $120 million deal. Well, really it's a three year, $51 million deal with a $30 million balloon payment. That's not guaranteed during the sixth year of the contract, but it, you know, it wins the day on Twitter when that announcement yeah. comes through. So yeah, and it, they, is, they it is pro rate over six years as well. Don't they? So they can spread the, the signing bonuses can't they that's why it's six years because that's the that's the li- limit isn't it I, I think i was reading somewhere that's why they do it like again with so much of it when when you look i mean there's so much gymnastics that can that can take place it's it's crazy and and honestly i, I mentioned it before it's it's why I'm, I'm happy to call greg a friend because mm. uh you know it's like greg you know pretend you're talking to a, a sixth grader that's at like a third grade math level and 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 help me understand <laughs> all of this and he he does about as good a job as is anyone with it and, and just seeing like oh that this can can happen but the most important thing that he says is that you know the salary cap is probably going to be over 250 million dollars yeah. during the 2024 season so if like you know if there's some certain things you're kicking the can down the road on a restructure with matt milano you know he's still going to be there. If you look to restructure some things, you know, for Micah Hyde, you you know, you're banking on him still being there. And, and same if you do something with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. So, um, you know, it's a calculated risk, but I think it's a gamble worth taking right now. 
Yeah. That four that forty or so million for Josh Allen looks better with almost every day, doesn't it? It's it's almost looking like in twenty twenty four, that's gonna look like a bargain, isn't it, with all the other quarterbacks that'll be they'll be DA. No, absolutely, right? Because you just think each and every year it just uh it's going to get higher. And I I've, I've never really understood why like, oh, the next guy that signs is, you know, is gonna reset the market. And it's like, well, he's clearly not better than than these three guys, why is he resetting the the market? And I, I don't even want to get into the Deshaun Watson piece because that's yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I'd rather have fun with you guys today. But <laughs> you know those types yeah. of things. So it just uh, it is it is crazy. But it's you know in that COVID year, right? You think of the 2020 season and the impact that had on the salary cap too. Um, certainly worked against the Bills because right, you kind of lose that one season where you would have had Josh Allen truly on his rookie deal and the salary cap shrinking as opposed to growing, um, you know, forced the Bills to be a little bit more frugal last season than we would have expected them to be. Yeah. I mean, let's let's look forward. Let's have some let's have some fun. Let's let's talk draft draft strategy. Um, what we've been doing on the show is a um, is pretty much your what if scenario and go what if the bills took and we're using three which are probably the most well one of them probably is a little less important in the moment for it but the three big needs as people will say for the um first round pick uh, cornerback wide receiver and um guard position um so and i'm going to incorporate your mock draft in here anthony um that you did uh on was it sunday it'll be sunday when you actually uh just gone when you actually did this um that what if the bills went with a wide receiver at 25 or in the first round and what how did you see the strategy when you made that mock draft of yours where you went Dotson at um at 25 yeah and it's interesting because um i'm almost ashamed to admit i spend more time on the mock draft machine on the draftnetwork.com and I probably should, even when you said, let's talk about your recent mock draft. And I panicked for a second because it was like, good gosh, which one, <laughs> which one did I put out there versus, uh, you know, just the, you know, the photos on my uh, on my iPhone. But, yeah. you know, every time I go through it lately, it seems like there's an option there at 25. That's one of the wide receivers. Mm. And, you know, I'm certainly you know, uh, a pro offense type of guy. Right. When you've got Josh Allen at your quarterback, you think. Yeah, Jamison Crowder coming in is great, but, you know, you still lost Cole Beasley. You still lose Emmanuel Sanders. Like, you know, you talk about some of those four wide receiver sets. You you look at some of these pieces. It's like, yeah, to, to add some youth to the position is important. And there's always there always seems to be options there at 25, right? Mm. Maybe not the guy that you want the most. Maybe it's not a, you know, a Jamison Williams or, you know, along those lines, but it seems like the bills will have an option at 25. And as Sean McDermott says, you don't want to lose your fastball to continue to have weapons for Josh Allen. I keep coming back to that piece. And yeah, listen, until the Bates right signing, you're thinking, well, there's a hole on the offensive line, but like, let's be honest, just as a fan, I mean, who wants to mock an interior offensive lineman to your <laughs> team in the first round? And a Zion Johnson could be a, a fantastic player. He can be a Pro Bowl player, this and that. But it, right, it's, there's no part of that as exciting when you're talking about prospects. I can't evaluate an offensive lineman and really say, like, 
oh my gosh, look at, you know, look at what he's doing with this pin and pull play here. It just doesn't, yeah. you know, it doesn't kind of move it for the, for the fan base. So um, I often just come back to wide receiver, but like I said, a lot of times, because those are the best players available and you've got, got some options there. So wide mm. receiver has been an easy pick to make it 25. And again, to add a new toy to the offense, pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, look, looking down it and obviously, I'll see you get your your strategy view on that, and even see Robin's uh, Robin's potential take on it. Uh, you went um, round uh, round two, pick fifty seven. You went uh, Bruce Hall. Um, round three, you traded um, to ninety nine. Took uh, Cam Taylor Britt, cornerback. Uh, One hundred eighteen. Um, you got in looking the other one. Got in the uh, same trade. You went Tyrese Robinson, interior guard. Then Donovan West, and then um, Widemir, um, Tyree Carpenter, safety, and Trey Turner, another wide receiver with the last pick. Was that a, just? Do you think that could be a strategy that that Brandon Bean employs, or was that just your way of thinking? Let's pile up the skill positions with Dotson and Hall, and then fill in the needs. Um, well, the depth pieces afterwards. Yeah, it was, it, and, and really from that standpoint, it was looking at things and saying, how does the board fall? Brees Hall has become a much more popular name for the Buffalo Bills as of late. Just within the last week, Joe Biscaglia mm. from The Athletic, Maurice Jones-Drew from the NFL Network, and of course, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, all mocked Hall actually to the Bills at pick 25, which is like a lightning rod of conversation for fans we yeah. went through it last year, right? Those of us that were on board with Travis ATN and saying, you know, yeah. that's who the Bills should uh, pay yeah, I remember. In, in the first round. And, you know, so you look at it and think like, man, if, if Hall is there in the second round, that's certainly, I think, easier for fans to stomach than taking him in the, the first round. Here's mm-hmm. the piece, though, that I've, I've started to struggle with. And, you know, my my buddy, Bruce Nolan, who's with us yeah. at BuffaloRumblings.com, um, you know, Bruce is always team cornerback. And usually I'm like, ah, Bruce, defensive end, or, you know, go more offensive weapons, no big deal. Well, now with Levi Wallace gone, the need for a cornerback, I mean, is even, it's even more magnified. And as I went through this exercise, everyone was gone. Andrew Booth Jr. was gone. Trent McDuffie was gone. Derek Stingley was gone. Obviously, Sauce Gardner was long gone. Even Kair Elam was gone. And, you know, so you're thinking to yourself, okay, a little bit of a worst case scenario if you do go into the draft and your most glaring hole is at cornerback. And right now for the bills, it is, and I'm a fan of Dane Jackson. um, But right. You don't, you don't come into a season with him being your CB two with a limited amount of experience. And of course, with the Tredavious white recovery, who knows what that's going to look like. So as I've gone through some of these exercises, right. And, and listen, once you start taking a cornerback in the third round or later, that's a little bit different, right? I mean, there's going to be some some red flags, either the size isn't there or the athleticism or, you know, different pieces because cornerback is a premium position. So as, as much as it pains me to say this, I'd love to have one of those top cornerbacks available at pick 25 because yeah. that is the most glaring hole that the Bills have right now. You know, then in the second round, maybe you can still get a Brees Hall or even a Calvin Austin who's become a, a darling of many Bills fans, right, from his performance at the Combine and the Senior Bowl 
uh, a smaller player out of Memphis at like five, seven, but you know, is that kick returner punt returner and uh, you know, brings you that speed element that, you know, the bills can certainly use. So as I went wide receiver here again, I'd, I'd actually prefer to go cornerback right now, but uh, if, if the value isn't there on the board, it's what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've got a guard and we had um, Dean Kindig on um, last week's show and he actually said a name to watch out for is the guy you got in the, um, with the fifth, fourth, fourth, fifth round um, pick, uh, Donovan West out of, um, um, Arizona, uh, Arizona State. Um, he's obviously a wrestler and a guy that Dean really, really thinks could be a uh, a sleeper, a sleeper pick on there. Well, it was a little bit similar to the strategy the Bills did last year at offensive tackle, right? When they got Spencer mm-hmm. Brown and Tommy Doyle, and now looking at it and saying, again, you truly need that depth on the interior side of the ball. Again, you, you know, just taking out. Um, John Feliciano and Daryl Williams at this point. Now, of course, when I went through with this was before the Ike Butker and yeah. um, uh, Ryan Bates news had come out. But both Robinson and West, right, by all reports, have played multiple positions in their time in college. That flexibility is just something that we know that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have valued. So when you've got guys that, you know, hey, they have experience playing on the inside and in Robinson's case playing some right tackle. Um, right, you just need that flexibility because if someone goes down, you don't want to be you know, rotating three different guys on your offensive line. You want to have someone that you can try to plug in. So, right, a, a couple of depth picks and, and kind of going to what we said before, right? It's, mm. it's not exciting to take an interior offensive lineman in the first round, but uh, you can find some pretty good value in rounds three, four, and five. And that's how things worked out with this one. Yeah. So, Robert, what, what do you think of... Um... Well, I know you don't, you're not good anything like round four downwards, but the first three picks then, what do you think of Anthony's um, draft? Would you, would you buy into it as a Brandon B? I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to make my prediction now because I made it on the last podcast. I'm still coming off the, the JD McKissick, uh, what, what should we call it? Fiasco. <laughs> should we say, I, I, one of the first, first ones I did, Anthony, I picked JD McKissick as a future build and free agency and got laughed at by Matt and Mark and you know <laughs> here we are they're not laughing now um so but I here's, here's my here's my prediction Brandon Bean he will have it carved on his uh, on his tombstone he took the best player available he doesn't he doesn't like to reach he likes to get the, the best guy that's there I think he moves up in the draft if he possibly can if you can find someone five places up because looking through, and you, I mean, you reeled off the names there of the cornerbacks. We could five, six cornerbacks could be gone by the by the time they get to 25. And I think if there's one they like who's still there at 20 or so, if he can if he can package up the picks, because on on the the, the other uh, uh, thing to consider is well, they got nine picks this year. Mm. How many of those nine are, gonna, are really going to have starting jobs? It's a pretty stacked roster already. How many of those are going to make the 53? Does he package some picks, throw them up in the air, see if someone wants to take it to 20, get the cornerback he wants, and then either do the same again or perhaps even trade back second round and double-dip cornerback the way he did for Russo and Basham last year? 
Well, and it looks like, and I pulled up the the draft chart real quick, and it's on off of uh, Dean Kidding, who you guys have talked yeah. about before, right? Yeah. I mean, going that draft, myself, right? If you were going to go from twenty five to twenty, that probably costs you your third round pick to to make that move. And I think, right? It's I, I don't know if it's just me, like, hey, if you can keep your second round pick in place, you know, there's still plenty of talent that you can get there if you've got a part with a third rounder. You know, I can probably stomach that because, as you said, maybe even package some of those later round picks with like your fourth to, you know, mm-hmm. to move up a little bit and, and target some guys. But I mean, Robin, right. It, we've seen him be aggressive in the past, um, right? like Brandon Bean, not really known for for trading down. I mean, I think the only time he's done it is in the sixth round. So that doesn't even really yeah. count. So if there's uh, one of those cornerbacks in play, um, none of that would would surprise me where things stand now yeah i mean do do you if any position and most people probably going to say a wide receiver um cornerback do you think that they'll they can they are going to double maybe in some cases especially in the likes of cornerback and wide receiver maybe even uh triple down if i can uh coin that uh that phrase in the draft i know obviously he's going to look to try and do what he did with um, Basham and uh, Rousseau and double dip there. Could you see any sort of scenario where they would um, double or even triple dip on wide receiver and cornerback and just pretty much have what some people, when they've done mock drafts, just done pretty much just all wide receiver and um, and (laughs) Um, especially when you've got the likes of um, obviously even though we don't have to worry too much about them, depends if Tua can throw the ball to them. The fact that Miami's wide receiver core is up there, I'm not saying it's the um, the best, but up there in terms of could cause us a bit of problem on the, um, on the cornerback side. Yeah, I could see them pulling something off at wide receiver, and that's maybe just me being a little more optimistic than I should. But, <laughs> you know, you, you talk about some of the guys on the roster, and it's like, okay, Marquez Stevenson, you know, for, for him, still just a rookie, no guarantee that he's on the roster. You know, mm. we know the team re-signed Jay Kumaro, but, you know, not a contract that you can't get out of with a little penalty if you decide, hey, there's someone that, you know, has some higher upside and can still contribute on special teams. Jamison Crowder just on a one-year deal, right? So that remains to be seen and even a relatively low contract for him. It's like, okay, well, maybe he's taking the spot of Cole Beasley or maybe it's Isaiah McKenzie. So, you know, if they're going to add some some younger players and, and double up at one spot, um, you could see it being at wide receiver. And uh, again, I didn't even mention Isaiah Hodgins, who, you know, I yeah. think Bill's fans have been waiting to mm. see something from, but you know, maybe between the injuries and just, you know, what his athletic capabilities are, maybe it just is what it is. So, you know, I could certainly see them looking at things and saying, hey, maybe we take a wide receiver relatively early. And then with a few of these dart throws late in the game, you know, you get some guys that that have the proper traits or athleticism that you look for and and maybe see if you can, uh, you know, kind of strike gold with a, a late round selection. Mm. Yeah. I think I th- I think with me I I do like coming I mean, up. There are guys I do like in the in the middle rounds. I mean I, I'm now starting to bang and bang the table a little bit more for um, especially on wide receiver for um, Alec Pierce out of um, Cincinnati. And most people know on our group chat and all that that I will 
especially when we go cornerback, that I'm definitely pounding the table for um, for Elam. Um, with at least one of the first first two picks, but there is so much so much talent. We just don't. We spoke to Dean about it about how much, especially between after like pick twenty or that, that there isn't as much as people think of a drop off in these um, in these prospects because you can get, I say, like an Alec Pierce in round three. Um, you can get like a Martin Emerson um, corner out of Mississippi State in round two, round three. There's not really much drop off in production, obviously, but obviously you want to take the guys that have had those stellar, stellar years in um, in college and actually rightfully want to be or rightfully coined a first round pick. But that's what I like about about this, and obviously with Dean knowing what he can do and how shrewd him and the scouting team have been. It does make me a little bit more, uh, what's the best word, um, intrigued to see what he actually pulls up on um, in April. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned it too when you talk about the drop-off in talent. And you hear guys say each year, like, well, I've only got first-round grades on 22 players or whatever the number might be. Um, you know, and of course, you've got the Bills picking at number 25. Such a big question will be how many quarterbacks are selected before them, because we know it's not a great quarterback draft, mm. um, at least, you know, compared to, to some years in the past where, you know, just last year, right, you get so many teams trying to trade up in front of each other just in the top, you know, the top few picks. But, um, you know, contrary to what Robin said, it's like, will this be the year where maybe in the first round, Brandon Bean looks to trade down a few spots, right? If yeah. uh, I keep looking at Detroit mm-hmm. there at 32, right? Thinking, okay, they're not going to take a quarterback at two. That's probably too early for them with what they've got going on. But, you know, do they need to get in front of someone or make sure that they get their guy and, you know, maybe jump to the bills at, at 25 to prohibit anyone else from, from getting in front of them. If, you know, someone like Kenny Pickett is there at 25 and to say, listen, we'll have this guy with that fifth year option. We can do one more year with Jared Goff. Um, looking at possibilities like that, or even earlier today, thinking, would the Bills ever even consider dropping out of the first round completely? Um, you know, you think of teams like the Seattle Seahawks and Atlanta Falcons that have picks early in the second round. And it's like, listen, if you trade 25 for, you know, uh, pick in the late thirties and a, a third round selection, you know, is that something you would, you would look to do? I, I don't think it's in uh, you know, it, it's in his character from what we've seen in the past, but when you talk about value, you just wonder to yourself, like, again, is there that much of a drop off from 25 to, to 38 and being able to add another top 100 pick? Um, yeah. You know, that could be something interesting too, but you, you guys know, right at this point, we're, we're playing with draft charts and mock draft machines and having fun with it and exactly. waiting to see what happens in about a month from now. Yeah. I mean, everything hinges on what happens with those first 24 picks, doesn't it? If there's a cornerback still there, I think if all the cornerbacks are gone or the, you know, the, the highly rated, highly fancied cornerbacks are gone, I think that probably changes what Bean does. And I think the trade back probably comes into play. Um, if he can't, if he doesn't think there's going to be someone at 25, doesn't it? If there's someone hanging around, and it's and right. That, it's made, so that, that changes his calculus, doesn't it? Well, and you even think back to like the 2019 draft. It's like, okay, the Bills are picking ninth, right? Like, okay, there's probably around like 
12 guys you really need to familiarize yourself with, even thinking back to that, right? Like Ed Oliver, Jonah Williams, TJ Hawkinson, you know, maybe, you know, Quinnen Williams, you're thinking if they look to trade up, but it, it's sort of this very small, finite group that you're, that you're focused on. Yeah. Now, when you talk about 25, you almost feel like, good gosh, well, there's you know, 15 guys <laughs> yeah. who hope could fall to 25. And then there's about 20 guys after 25 where you're like, well, you know, that wouldn't be a bad pick if that was someone that that came in. And, you know, even when you talk about some of these players or you read up on them, it's like, you know, is the if there's a guy that you pick at 25 or if he gets picked at 40, you could probably argue he was picked at the right spot. So mm. that part's going to be to be interesting. And, and again, Robin, you kind of asked the million dollar question before, like with your not question, your prediction of you know, will Bean be aggressive and get in front of somebody to get the cornerback that, that he wants? Um, you know, you, you staked your claim first. So if it, uh, if it comes about, you get to do the victory lap. <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. He's going to be so happy. <laughs> oh, you are, you are, you, the, the, the guys won't hear the end of it. If, if he moves up and gets a cornerback, honestly, I'm going <laughs> to. Like nine years, nine years from now, you guys will be going through. The, uh, so, well, I was, whilst we were talking, I just done a um, got on the draft network on their mock draft and um, just simulated the first round up until the Bills pick. And I'm going to get both of your opinions. Just the last thing before before we sign off about who to pick, and I'll tell you who the guys are available at the 25th pick. And I want to see which direction you both go in. We've got. Um, Tyler Linderbaum, we've got Kenyon Green, we've got Dotson, Olav, Elam, Traylon Burks. If you want to go defensive line, you've got uh, Maffey, Winfrey, or um, Ajabo. Who would you choose out of those? Or would Robin you choose? Uh, sorry, you have to remind me, Matt. Which, which position are we picking now? Any position. This is. Pick twenty five. I've just done a quick uh, random mock draft. Oh, sorry. All oh, right. This this is who we go. Uh, who we go at twenty five. Yeah. yeah. So the options are say you got Linda Barm as an offensive lineman, Kenyon Green offensive lineman, yeah. Dotson yeah. Olav wide receiver, Traylon Burks wide receiver, um, Kyra Lamb and uh, Maffey and Edge uh, Winfrey interior defensive and um, Ajabo. I, I think he goes wide receiver. If it, if it all falls and there's no moves and there's no trades and it all falls as, as it does, I think Bean goes for his BPA. And I think he'll go wide receiver. I don't Which think one? he'll go for me. Go on, this, put a name on one. Wide, the first wide receiver you said, the young man, the young man there. Dotson. Is, uh, yeah, that's him. So well, come on, now, have a good thing. Do you, stick by, do you stick by your mock draft you just did, putting Dotson... Um, 25 or now you've heard those names do you change it a little no i would switch it up because when i did that mock draft kair elam from florida was not available so not having one of the top five cornerbacks on the board at that time um really took it out of the mix for me so <laughs> he's he probably teeters right if you talk to uh to our buddy joe marino you know he says i don't love him but he likes him you know a, mm. a little bit so you know, it's kind of one of those not as not as much of a slam dunk as someone like, uh, you know, like Andrew Booth Jr., who you would look at. I don't consider Trent McDuffie a slam dunk. 
either, right? Based on kind of some of the size limitations, but you look at someone like Elam, I just pulled up just to confirm, right? I mean, he ran a four, three, nine, 40, um, yeah. at the, at the combine. I mean, he's over six foot one, you know, good, just good size, right? Good athleticism. You know, that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, they favor players that, that have those, those proper traits, and I think when you look at his athleticism as an upgrade over Levi Wallace, it's certainly something that they could work with, work with there. So again, guys, I go back and forth so many times on this, <laughs> but a lot of times when I do these drafts, it's just, if one of the top cornerbacks is there, I don't see how I can't take him at, at this point. And Elam would fall into that bucket probably is number five on the list, but um, better than some of the results when I've gone through the mocks before. And that, that's why I love talking to you, because Lamb is the guy I pound for. And I did, um, and obviously, since 2017, when he came in, he's had the lower passer rating allowed in um, in college football with 18.3%. And he's good in both um, zone and does well in press. And, yeah, he's got the, he's got the traits you actually um, need in there. And that's why... I bang table and I think uh, me and you were on a similar similar wavelength a little bit. <laughs> Listen, there's a reason why we always get along, so it's uh it's yes. all good. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's great fun as as always to have you on the show and obviously we're not gonna leave it um too long the next uh the next few times uh when we uh, when we get you on the uh on the show because I as I, say, I do love chatting to you whether it's interacting on Twitter or when we chat on on our either my our podcast or when I've come on your podcast, so for for everyone that probably are living under a under a rock or in a cave at the moment, where can they find you and obviously the work uh, the work you do? Yeah, you can just uh, log on to buffalorumblings.com. Um, gosh, been there for uh, for a number of years now. You can find me on Twitter at Ant Marino. And if you're not already listening to our podcast, just wherever you, you find your podcast, wherever you find this show, you can also find Buffalo Rumblings. And uh, we've got to have you guys back on the show sometime, too, because like we said, uh, two years is is way too long. So maybe we'll do something after the draft to see, uh, you know, Robin can do his victory dance. If he's, uh, if he's correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got the moves all worked out as well. It's going to be quite, it's going to be quite a show. We're gonna, oh, put on, awesome. we're gonna put on video. We're gonna put it on Twitter for everyone to, uh, exactly. to see. Exactly. <laughs> Break the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Forget Kim Kardashian and her um, and her bum that broke the net. It's gonna be Robin and his dancing when he gets the uh, exactly. prediction yeah. right. Forty-five-year-old British guy gets a pick right in the draft. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Yeah, there's your headline. No, I mean, oh, good deal. I mean, Anthony, it, it's always a pleasure, and thank you I've for taking uh, taking time out to to come Thanks on the so show much. and enjoy your um enjoy your uh, your holiday. I guess it's uh, there on your time your time away. All right, guys. Thanks again, and uh, we'll have to do it again soon. We will. Thanks, and we thank there Anthony Mourinho, and don't forget to keep following him. I know Robin's now got a. Uh, Probably got a follow from him now. We'll get Mark. We'll get, we'll get him to follow you as well. <laughs> and then get Phil left out on there. <laughs> but yeah. it's it's in, we've got an interesting period coming up. We've got uh, what's it now? Four weeks left to a draft, pretty much. One. Yeah. Two, three. Yeah, four weeks left. Anything could happen. 
Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting time. We've got a few more episodes, draft episodes to talk about. We might we might talk wide receiver twenty five. Might talk cornerbacks. Might talk anything. So we need to. We uh, the the thing about you know uh, that's just sprung to mind is that if we do trade those picks away to Baltimore, we need to keep one in our locker for. Because we we obviously need to keep about a fourth or a fifth round pick for where, when we're going to draft Matt Ariazo, the punter. Yes. Um So that's 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 crucial. Um, so that's one of those true. one of those has to be we have to keep in our back pocket for that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So <laughs> before before we sign off, Robin, have you got any last words you want to say? Uh, Other than your no, celebration no, dance. Very- not strictly, not not strictly, Bills, but uh, I was going to say it's probably not that long till the London Games tickets get released. Yeah. going to mention that. That just suddenly occurred to me, so I'm going to ask the wife to get me that for my birthday. <laughs> um, Mark, on, on that note, do you have anything that's... No, just be, just be wonderful to each other. Um, someone like... A... I'm a big cycling fan and uh, a, a cycling podcast that I listened to um, tragically lost their their host um, this yeah. week. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, be nice to each other, hug your loved ones and um, and keep smiling. Awesome. So on that note, it is continue to follow us. You can follow me at MattSW86. You can follow Robin on Twitter at Robin C. Armstrong. You can follow Mark on Twitter at... Uh, I'm on This Is Sparky S. And you can follow at UK underscore Bills at RWBB underscore podcast on Twitter, Buffalo Bills UK on Facebook and YouTube. And to let you know that the Defend Your Draft series is back soon. So we're going to have some interesting fun with that. UK Bill underscore Bills on Instagram and for Mark... Robin, Smat saying good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for listening. Keep subscribing, following, turn on the notifications, and let's go Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Yeah, no, no, no. You don't know anything about work. You don't know anything about work? Huh? That's who we are. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills.